Welcome to the Julian Ho podcast, where I unpack and pull the curtains wide open and look under the hood of really awesome figures in fitness, health, and wellness. Today, I interviewed and spoke with my dear friend, Nicole Devell, who has done collaborative work with me at Sweat and Tonic in Toronto, a fitness and wellness hub. We did live events hosting people into the world of self-development and life coaching. We also had recently collaborated on a month of running workshops where we tapped more into the mindset of the runner and helped coach people on how the mind and movement and music all intersect to help create a much more rich and colorful experience in the world of running and training. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy our conversation on how mindset, movement and music, aka the mind, body and soul, all interconnect to help create beautiful experiences, learning experiences for us to grow and be challenged by. Hi, Julian. Nicole Devell. (laughs) Hi, how are you? I'm very good. How are things? We were uh, a little bit off with Instagram this this time. 2020. What was it that you said? Something about... Nothing ceases to surprise me. Aliens, something about earthlings yeah lessons for earthlings really that uh these things <laughs> that we think matter they really don't we're just let it let it take us away exactly Technology. it's one of those it's one of those things where you like plan 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 and then something can be slightly off and then your plan goes askew and yeah, you can either you choose, gotta... choose to lose it or you can just roll with the punches. Ride the wave. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, just a formal introduction to this podcast. Uh, for those listeners, welcome to the Julian Ho podcast, where I like to unpack and go behind the curtains of really awesome uh, like minds in fitness, health, and wellness. And today we have Nicole Devell, who is a life coach and mindset expert. So wanted to chat with Nicole about um, how the intersection of fitness, movement, music, and I guess mindset or mindfulness all come together. Mm-hmm. So, so Nicole, would you would you be kind enough to share all that you do and all that you are for those that are listening? Mm, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a spiritual life coach and mindset life coach for basically transforming, you know, our inner narrative and our sense of self-acceptance and self-love and really, you know, eliminating a lot of the story that we have and anchoring into the truth so we can get in alignment with our lives again. And it takes a lot of unpacking and, um, a lot of discernment and, you know, I really am here to support and encourage people to get clear on what they're wanting and, and why is it that you're wanting it through self-understanding? It's so beautiful. It's so interesting and needed to hear people who have a calling in this life to do this kind of work. Mm. Do you think that you're quite rare amongst Uh, I mean, everyone's quite rare. They are rare. Mm. They're they're a one and only person. But is there more, are there more people getting into this line of of work or is it a new thing? What do you think? Yeah, I think what I'm noticing a trend that's really opening up is, is that the business of coaching, of being a service provider, of working one-on-one is starting to shift from being extremely productivity oriented or results oriented to um, really getting more in alignment with the truth of who you are and what does that mean and what layers can be peeled back or, or what is opening up in the space of, of who do you want to be outside of all the rules and society and your own conditioning? Like, who do you want to be? 
And how can we open up the space for, you know, deeper consciousness of, of who you truly are meant to be on this planet. And so what I'm noticing is that a trend of, of coaching and, and practitioners is, is opening up more the truth of spirituality and an alignment than it is. Okay, let's make the money. Let's have the business. Let's have the productivity. Let me get you the results. I can mm-hmm. really see a shift in that happening right now. Wow. It's like a... Uh... I mean, it's these deep questions that can rock the bedrock of who we are, mm-hmm. the foundations of how we perceive our existence. And this is really deep um, digging and mining of our of our conditioned consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. So, for those pe- so people who are joining into this and they're like, what are they talking about? It, it definitely takes some time. It takes um, that prerequisite of doing some of this self-work mm-hmm. and whether there's literature out there that supports uh, a new form of wellness and mental health or not these these ideas have come into our heads and we manifest them through our daily actions and there's no reason why the exploration isn't valid right yeah uh, I want to ask you about validity of this work and where we seek validation, because mm-hmm. obviously this is a career and a profession and there is um, sort of money to be made to feed you and your future endeavors. Mm. But do people ever question how far you're going and, and why you're doing what you're doing? That's a good question. I think that if people are questioning what's outside of themselves, they're actually ultimately questioning what's inside of themselves, right? Oh, so of course, nice. yeah, I would say, of course, that there's, there's so much pushback in, um, in what we don't understand. I think mm-hmm. that that is really what it is. I think there's just sort of a, let me have some resistance here, because this doesn't make sense to me, or this doesn't land in the body, or this isn't like translating to what, what is, you know, what I am able to have capacity for. So yeah, of course, um, coming out and and trying to open people's minds to things that ultimately they do know, um, they really do. I think that there is a knowing and and it depends on, you know, what I'm speaking on, what someone else is speaking on. You may not understand my language, but there could be someone in the same capacity whose language you do understand. Um, yeah, I think for sure it gets questioned and, you know, that that's ultimately about the person that's asking the questions. So you create space as someone who's in service to, to get really clear that, you know, that's not really about me. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and anytime there's pushback or resistance, it is about, it's about the other individual. Yeah. That's a really great point. My, my twin brother, Nathan, had started doing a life coaching course. Yeah. And, and he said, just what you said, the first lesson is learning as a coach that it's not about the coach. Mm-hmm. It's about the, the client or the, mm-hmm. the participant. And it is about creating space, a safe space for them to explore almost like a, like a mirror. You act as a mirror. Yes, yes. Which isn't always easy for the person serving as well because, you know, I'm still human and I still have feelings and I still, you know, get triggered by comments or truth and, you know, and ultimately that's for me to look at. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So for today's talk, I mean, I love the free exploration and talk. I could talk to you all day about mm-hmm. this stuff and hang me out too. with you. Me too. Uh, uh, but I think it would be nice to chat about um, um, how the, again, the intersection of mindset comes to movement and music, because mm-hmm. I know that's a very important part of your life. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with just you sharing your thoughts, your general thoughts about how those three things intersect? Yeah, mindset, movement, music, how do they all intersect? I think it's an intimacy factor. You know, mm. I think it's the body will follow the mind. And once the body and the mind are in alignment, then something else gets to come through you. Right. So, I mean, personally for me, music is something that my whole life has empowered me to move forward, to connect to myself, to listen to stories, to, 
you know, find that impulsivity when I need it, if I listen to like a hip hop playlist. And I think it really is about finding um, definitely music that supports you and, and getting clear on what that is for you and, and that intimacy factor. What do you need to move forward? I think music is such a huge component. Um, You're a vocalist. Mm-hmm, I am. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. A little bit of singing. Thank yeah. you, Jules, for that vlog. Yeah. Hey, I'm just saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> it's true. And and so it's so different for everybody. I think really finding, you know, you can go to a house class and, and not be the biggest house music fan and kind of feel off. And, you know, that's totally okay. I think finding like the niche that really works for you is important when it comes to movement. Um, and then, you know, the mindset is such an important component because if we really start to tap in and, and listen to ourselves, I'll be in workouts and I'm, I can hear myself loudly being like, I can't do this. This is so hard. Like, fuck, I'm not sure how to, how to push through this. And I think when we start to have that awareness, even in that one hour class with, with wherever we're at or whatever we're doing with our bodies, you know, that truth is coming up in any element of our life. And so creating mental stamina through the vitality of your life creates mental stamina in other areas. And that's, I think, what the biggest pillars are for me. Mm. Yeah, when we talk about the mindset, movement and music, it's pretty much the same as saying mind, body, soul. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think it's like, what am I saying? And how am I connecting? And those are two big things when it comes to movement, because you're to get results in in, in the body, it's going to have to start with the mind. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we work together this month, we put out a class called Run Lab, it morphed mm-hmm. from movement lab to mm-hmm. running mindset clinic to run lab. And it was definitely a big reflection of our environment we are at riverdale park in downtown toronto which has beautiful track and hill it's kind of like a a fitness amphitheater so to speak but just pure nature and grass Mm -hmm. and uh it was the perfect place to do running and so we shifted we shifted um a little bit of our coaching but what we wanted to explore with that lab was more so the and the sorry, the exact thing that we're talking about, which is that connection of mind, body, soul. And um, we had a really interesting program where we kind of found a a good, strong, uh, I guess, consistent format with three rounds Mm -hmm. where I would coach the movement section and then Nicole would coach the mindset, kind of like a team huddle where you're coached, not just instructed, um, did you want to share a little bit about that that process for you and how you came to collaborating with me? Yeah, I think you know if we if we really do connect to our minds first, we can kind of get this checkpoint of like, okay, who am I? How am I showing up? And what am I willing to to say and do for myself to to complete? Really, I think whenever we're going into a fitness class, it's about figuring out our completion and and being able to walk away and say, I made effort and I did this and. Maybe I have a little bit of a deeper awareness than I that I didn't have beforehand. Um, I would say collaborating with you, Julian, definitely like shifted and pushed my ability to be more concise, to be more open minded that this isn't necessarily all about what I'm saying. It's about how is an audience receiving it. Mm. Um, I think collaborating with you helped me realize that getting uncomfortable again is so important because we can get into our niche or get into our space. And we think that we're doing really well and and to switch it up and be uncomfortable is so important for our growth once again. Mm -hmm. Um, And to really like let go of the attachment to to I think when you're in service or you're a coach or you show up for people as a profession, we can be really, really attached to, to how people are. Yeah. Outcomes for sure. And we had classes where we had multiple people and we had smaller classes where there was an inti- intimacy, like a lot more of an intimacy factor. And, you know, I can be the first person that's attached to numbers and results. And it really just taught me that it's really not about that. It's about me showing up in commitment to service that, you know, I said I would do with you mm-hmm. even when I was kicking and screaming on the inside and not knowing. Um, so I think, yeah, that can be so related to anybody in any space that they're in. Um, yeah, it was such a cool thing. Cause I, I just, me going into this was like, Hey, I want to climb this mountain. Mm-hmm. Nicole 
is definitely someone I want to climb this mountain with. Mm. Whoever joins us will join us, but mm-hmm. we want to we want to travel this route because we are curious and we want the the experience um, of working together and creating something unique as the pillar to to the I guess the process and outcome of of the four sessions that we did together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so publicly thanking you, Nicole, for for you know coming into this world with me. Yeah, well, I thank you too for also you know staying open minded for and with me. Like, however, I showed up and doing the best that I can because you know this was your business and your platform, and you allowed me to be who I needed to be in the space, even you know at times if and when that was different. And I think that that's what collaboration is about is yeah. allowing the people that we're collaborating with to, to just do the best that they can. And, and for us to have like the least attachment as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. And great communication back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of the principles that we kind of talked about and, and brought into the running assignments or, or drills, one of them, we're just going to, kind of quick fire through the latest ones um one was on consistency mm. and where we used uh, mantras mm-hmm. did you want to share your segment on, on consistency mantras and uh i will i can i am yeah yeah i think that mantra work is a really powerful way to start shifting our neural patterning i think that i've with so much time and practice and commitment realized that inner narrative um, and the consistency of using the language in our heads. So I think when it came to mantra work, it was about connecting to a sense of vulnerability that we maybe don't get a chance to do in the day to day. Um, You know, I think as women, especially in fitness, we have so much attachment to, I want to change my body. I want to Mm -hmm. be sexually attractive. I want to be able to keep up with the rest of them. I want to be, you know, whatever those attachments are. Um, And we can get so stopped. Like we can get so much push. Yeah. Like we can just get so much pushback of like, I'm not enough and this is never going to change. And, Oh, like I hate what I look like and, you know, and really being able to shift that to like, okay, but I can do this and I am worth this and I will finish this And consistency in my mind is really about just showing up every single day. And I remember at one point in in one of our workouts, you know, it was about one foot in front of the other and really Mm -hmm. taking that and like segueing that into our life, like just one day at a time, one workout at a time. Like I am possible. I can do this. I will finish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the girls who came to one of those classes, she reached out to me and she was like, Hey, like I've been even using that language at work when the days have been really tough. Like I can do this. I am possible. I will finish. And, you know, it takes time and practice, like I said, to, to move this inner narrative, but if we can do it in movement, it will, um, physiologically land in our body a lot more and when we do things from a physiological standpoint we respond we respond uh, a lot quicker because you know our bodies are constantly in motion and in action yes yeah how we use language is a really important tell to how we either store information how we put ourselves out there and express ourselves so there's definitely a tie-in with um Again, the neurolinguistics mm-hmm. to the neuromuscular. Mm-hmm. When you when you put yourself in a in a positive pump up situation, like pre pre hill climbs, you know, if you start to say things like, "Oh, this is such a crazy hard hill. I don't know if I can do it. There's a lot of self doubt." You're basically shooting yourself in the foot before you even give yourself a chance mm-hmm. to start. As opposed to, "I'm going to finish this. I got this." I've done it before, no big deal. So that's where these mindset mantras really help trigger a a positive relationship with movement and the outcome of how it translates to the rest of our world. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Let's shift to creativity. So in this this mindset piece, um, there was an opportunity to choose your own path. So basically we... We assigned people kind of like an obstacle course at Riverdale Park and said, you got to go to these five stations at each station. You're going to do five burpees, for example. 
and you're going to choose how fast you go from one station to the next and which ones you go to first and which ones you go to last. So this was inviting the unconventional. Hmm. So, <laughs> so not just following what someone says, but making this uh, challenge your own. So where does, where did, where, where did you kind of land in terms of creativity when it comes to the movement and the assignment? Hmm. Do you remember what you said? I remember connecting to everyone and really how creativity, yeah, like creativity being a creator in our, you know, I think a lot of people automatically associate creativity with art, right? Yeah, yeah. And really the thing is, is that we, we are all creators, no matter what we're creating, like that is an element and a, a, a channel of your creativity. It definitely comes down to choice. It definitely comes down to spontaneity and intuition. That is the creative spirit. That's that spontaneous spirit, that intuitive space is, is your creativity. And I think because as we grow and we develop, you know, children are, are spontaneous and they're intuitive and they're so creative at such a young age, at a, such a young age, um, and then we grow and we become conditioned and we we follow the masses and we take choices that make sense and we lose that that spon- spontaneity and that space. And mm. we get to a place where we start questioning our intuition and questioning our spontaneity and and we lose our creativity in that way because we just don't trust ourselves anymore. Um, so I think I remember when we were all together and we were like, hey, go go ever which way feels natural. Right. Yeah. And. And we're like, just go for it. And and naturally we'll be like, wait, like, what are the directions? Where are we going? How is this yeah. working again? Like, can you give me the rundown? And we do that in our lives. Of, yes. Wait, am I supposed to take this job? Like, can I not do this? Am I, is this relationship make sense? And we, our logical mind um, comes into play so much. But if we just trust more, um, mm. then our creativity will come out. And it, it's not an easy thing because it's so foreign to us, I think. Yeah. But yeah. as creators, it's it's working to make that natural again. Yeah. There's some people who need a certain level of certainty and, and safety mm, in order for them to course. be creative. Yeah. And then there's some people who have a, have a baseline of they're living in a world of chaos mm. and their level, their level of, of safety is completely different from someone else's yeah. who potentially has a lot more comfort in their lives. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Mm. I think, you know, if I'm learning anything during this time too, is if you are, we all have the, just these different backgrounds that have shaped who we are, where we're at, and the way that we do things, and to have like more compassion for that. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, true. it's so true. When I think of that, I think of me- like um, meditation. Mm. You know, there's some people who can meditate, and they need everything to be perfect mm. in their environment. And then there's some people who literally meditate out on a park bench in a loud park. Yeah. They're completely in their own zone. So it's really interesting for me to research that within myself and see what do I need That's to so be true. creative? Mm-hmm. Do I need everything to be perfect and set up luxuriously? Mm. Or can I, can I be creative in every part of my life? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with like asking, what is it that I need to, to do what I need to do? Mm-hmm. Um, the third out of six is capacity. So especially nowadays, capacity, we, we feel like we want to take on so much. And yet we fail to realize uh, our limited bandwidth because you know your appetite is usually bigger than what you can actually stomach mm. so with all that's going on um, with the pandemic and and whatnot and things that are super uncertain every economy is in a in a regressed state mm. how do you help people check in to their cup being like half full or full. Can you speak on that? Yeah, absolutely. So checking in with how they feel about what they're doing. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, but how they feel about their the consumption, sorry, the mm. amount of total capacity they have. Yeah. Because a lot of people burn out because they're overdoing it. Yeah. Well, I really think that burnout comes from 
a place of doing things that just really aren't in alignment with who you are. You know, when we're doing things that we love or, you know, we're working really hard towards something that's going to liberate or fulfill us or, you know, we're in a relationship that is needing a lot of our time and attention and that time and attention is, is giving us light. Um, I don't believe burnout exists. I think burnout exists when we are, we're over giving to something that's just not the truth. And so I think like to check in is I'm constantly asking my clients, you know, what are you dealing with right now? Like what's in the way right now? Or what is it that you're actually wanting right now? And, you know, there's probably a lot of things that they're doing that they just actually aren't happy doing and they feel like they have to do it to keep up with whatever they feel they have to keep up with. It's, it can be such a hamster wheel. I think asking, what is it all for? That's been such a big question for me this year. Like, what is all of this for? Um, Whether it's the income or the career or the relationship or, you know, even asking around your goals, like, what am I doing this for is a huge touch point. Um, And if that answer doesn't really light you up or it's really difficult to discover, then it probably means that you know, there's a way that you could pivot for more peace. Um, I've always said, and I try to say with all of my clients, like the work that we do together or any work that I believe in when it comes to one-on-one stuff is how do we find more peace in our lives, especially if we've been shown how our peace can be so taken away from us so quickly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think capacity is really about taking a look at like what matters to you And why does this even matter to you? Or are you just caught in the hamster wheel of doing things that you feel you have to do to keep up with the things that you have to keep up with? Yeah. Right. And that emptiness. Yeah. The container that we have that we make for ourselves may, um, may change based off of our, our why, right? Mm -hmm. Like our purpose, our purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we take the time to really dig in and for me, I have a passion and calling to help people with their fitness and their wellness and their health. Mm. And because I know this and because I've spent my career and my life um, accumulating skills Mm -hmm. and and techniques to be able to do this, my capacity to teach, for example, and and to be an entrepreneur and take on different contracts and, and projects is pretty big. Yeah. Because I know that it's filling my cup exactly and my container for it has been preset really large so I sometimes people think that I'm overdoing it and overworking but I tell myself and reinforce like you ain't seen nothing yet yeah yeah and it shows (laughs) right it really shows there's a light there there's a presence there there's commitment and follow through and like you know you you aren't someone that that I would see and say okay Julian's like leaning towards burnout like that's just not the truth because you're very clear on on what you're doing and why you're doing it and that's sort of the goal um yeah I think if you've done the work then it's a constant unpacking but you're very clear on your purpose I think that we are living in a time where people are really trying to get to that and it doesn't necessarily come at 25 or 30. Sometimes it comes at 55 when you've lived yeah, a full life, right? Yeah. We're kind yeah. of led to believe it has to come between like 20 and, and 35. And that, that's just not the truth. Yeah. And when you're talking about alignment, things that come up probably for a lot of people on a day-to-day are things like frustration, mm-hmm. irritability, stress, a feeling of trapped. Mm-hmm. That's because and what you're saying is there's a misalignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And all those emotions are the polarity to remind you that there's something else, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. We feel those things as a compass. Mm -hmm. When you said the word pivot, it brings us to the other word, um, agility, being able to change directions really quickly. So in this lesson, we talked about, you know, hacking your knee jerk reactions Mm. and really, um, kind of understanding our impulses. Mm. Did you want to share about that? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to touch on that, you know, but under the context of what we were doing, I think that we, you know, identifying how and how logic shows up for you and also identifying how impulse shows up for you in your life. And 
Um, they they kind of sit on the opposite ends of the scale, I would say, because a lot of people say logic, practical, responsible, clear, planned, right? And then impulsive is messy, creative, big, go for it, um, hot, like whatever kind of comes to mind. And Yeah, right brain, left brain. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's a lot of that in the world. There's this like, it's either black or it's white. And, you know, we definitely need both. But how can we blend areas in our life and not be so black and white and and be more um, open minded to like, could we be logically impulsive? Could we plan and, and be practical and be responsible, but also when we know it's time to like go for it, actually do that? And and how do those two elements, how can we embody them as as people and really make choices that become empowering and inspiring because we're in control of understanding, right? Because one, one or the other of too much, it's just imbalanced. Um, so logic and impulse, you know, can we be logically impulsive? Is that possible for you? And when we start to take a look at the, um, what I like to say dialectics, cause that's really what it is. It's these opposing thoughts and ideas in any area of our life can we blend and be a bit more fluid and, and really get in touch with what humanness really is? And that's a blending of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was told that, that some of the most successful artists and, and I use success with like quotation marks mm -hmm. are those artists that are the best business people. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wow. They're entrepreneurial. They they know how to get their work out there. Right. Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. And like when we think of even business and artistry, we really see them on the opposite ends of the scale, right? Like we do. But when people can blend the two together, well then wow. It's I think it's yeah, I think it's about finding your groove of what are the two important things or what are the important things for you to blend so that you can have this magic? Yeah. I, I would say that some people would probably raise an eyebrow to that thinking, well, those artists are sellouts. Mm. You know, they're the ones who just want to, to, to bank, you know, a bunch of money, but I think it's part of the duty of celebrating your work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And breaking this stigma of the starving artist, right? Or whatever yeah. you're, or even just being in service. That's something I've had to come up a lot is that like, no, it's okay if you pay me less for my work, because I'm here to just serve you. And the truth is, you know, that's a self worth identity, right? And um, absolutely, you should be paid for your work and be proud of the work that you do and call in what you feel you deserve. Mm -hmm. And but yeah, I think it, it's definitely a a liberation of the self. I don't, I, I, it's so interesting that you say sell out. Um, cause I, you know, I have always, I think really respected anyone that can blend business and art at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, balance, mm. balancing work to rest ratio so that we don't, uh, default into stress, self stress or, um, self-deprecation or bad self-talk mm -hmm. what do, what are your thoughts on balancing work and rest yeah I think like one of the first things that comes to mind is we're just we are not really supported when it comes to rest culture we just you know we've been very like sold that it is a work culture it is a hustle culture it is a productivity culture and if you're not in that space well then you're not worthy you're worthless yeah. actually live to, live to work instead of work yeah to we're very wor we believe we're very worthless if we're not producing um and so i think you know that work to rest is is getting clear on again a self-worth standpoint of like am i worth it to stop am i worth it yes. to pause and when I am pausing, what am I saying? You know, some of my narrative is I feel guilty or I'm not productive enough or I won't be validated, right? And really understanding when we pause and we stop, what are we saying? And whatever that is, it's running our life. Um, so I think just our rest culture is not, it's just not available to us. And it's never been available to us since we were probably four years old, right? We go right into school and we we keep going to school and then we're, we are promoted to not promoted, but, um, well, we work for marks and then now mm -hmm. we ship into adulthood. We work for money. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't ever stop. Right. 
And when you think of even a, a structured week as a child to be, to be working at things eight hours a day at school, five days a week. And the like, if you look at the percentage of how much we're alive. So if you look in a week of a hundred percent of living and then 80% of that life is working, then where have we ever been sold to understand that rest is a part of, of normalcy. And yet it's literally, it should be a 50% of our life. If you think of the sun and the moon, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very, it's a 12 hour balance. Right. Um, mm. So it's kind of interesting as human beings, we don't, we don't associate with that balance. And yet it's, uh-huh. it's the truth of life. Oh, Nicole, bring in the astrology. Right? <laughs> well, not really even astrology. Like the sun rises for 12 hours and then the moon That's is dark for 12 hours. <laughs> like really human beings are meant to connect to that, that circadian rhythm, rhythm yeah. right? <laughs> so... Uh- I know, uh, I go deep. Yeah, we can <laughs> do my best. Talk. <laughs> I do my best. Yeah, it's good. It's like so interesting. I can't believe there's such a like wise world that a lot of people have zero exposure to. Mm-hmm. But um, there is that for so many other different kinds of practices, yeah. um, whether they be physical, mental, or or natural, nature based, mm-hmm. like plant medicines and the cosmos. There's so much to explore. Yeah, well, Mother Earth, right? I think that's what we're learning right now. Yes, yes, totally. Um, when we sh- shift and dive a little deeper into balancing work and rest, mm. we have different gears within us. We have, let's say, a turbo mode where you're going at it like 100, 110%. Mm-hmm. And then we also have tortoise mode mm-hmm. where we're going to go slow and stable and, mm. you know, like... You know, like slowing life down and living in different parts of the world, mm. they probably see work to rest, the ratio between that in a completely different way than we see it at, in the Western sure. world. For sure. So like, how how are we redefining that um, that turbo to tortoise percentage? Um, is there value in going very slow? Oh, I think so much. I think there's so much value in, in taking like significant amounts of time to slow down um i think why do do people feel stuck and feel like i can't slow down i need to keep going why um i think it comes down to just control i think that as human beings we don't know how to let go of control we don't know how to dance in uncertainty you can see it right now there's so much uncertainty in the world and mental health and alcoholism and addiction and obesity and all of that is spiking because we're just so uncomfortable with not knowing Mm. Um, I think that I was the same. I like to just reference some things because I have been, I have feared so much in my life and yet I've also experienced everything that I feared. And so I think that when we can step into feeling what we're scared of and realize, realize that it's not actually life threatening and we let go of control a little bit more, um, then we're able, we're able to stop and slow down. I also think it's so important as a means to understand yourself as a means to be like, who am I? What am I feeling? Does this actually work for me? Do I actually like this person? Am I enjoying the work I'm doing? You know, asking the questions. But I remember someone sending me like an article that people would rather walk over like fiery hot coals and or like a scalding shower than they would sit with themselves for 30 minutes in their own emotions and silence and quiet. Like people would rather suffer than really like listen to themselves for a certain amount of time. Right. Or, or so, public speak. Yeah. Yeah. Public speaking's huge for sure. I mean, it's like the number one fear. And I think that that's about judgment and criticism. It's like literally, um, self like feel, tribal- feels like self suicide. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you don't want to be like exiled from the tribe. If you well, say something. Wrong. Yeah. Well, that comes down to like our human survival in our brain, right? The sense of love, safety and belonging. And when we challenge any of that, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it literally gets triggered in the part of our brain that this is life-threatening. So, you know, when we associate fear with death, then, of course, we're not always able to move forward. Mm. But, yeah, I think slowing yeah. down is so, so important. And not even just for, like, a couple days, like, for, like, a month or, like, yeah. two, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I guess it sometimes comes down to, like, picking your battles. So knowing, mm. knowing like, 
what at what part of your life or what task you need to really be in turbo mode mm. and then mm-hmm. honoring and then honoring that side of yourself that like really strong assertive hustle where you're scrappy and you you mm. got to get the job done mm-hmm. to the point where you know what this ain't going to be my battle I want to pick I'm going to slow down I'm going to yeah. chill and relax how do yeah. you do that in your life pick your battles um i think it's like listening to the rhythms like really listening to the rhythms of what's what's really going to matter in a year and in a few years, like what really matters to me, um, picking my battles. I think I would say like, I, yeah, I think passion really drives that when there's something behind what you're doing and you really feel called to, to show up in the world, you will. And when you're in a, a place of confusion and you're not exactly sure which way or what direction, you know, I think, a lot of us feel that when we're in that confused place or when we don't know, we have to push even harder when I think actually retreating and being like, wait, like, let me, let me get clear again. Because again, there's the polarity of like confusion equals clarity and vice versa. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think like picking my battles is all driven by passion and sometimes we can feel passionless and that is a really great place to be sometimes because mm-hmm. you get to reinvent and recreate where you're at. Um, I think culturally, sometimes we're scared to constantly reinvent ourselves because there's this judgment of a lack of commitment or a lack of dedication or, you know, a lack of whatever we feel insecure about. But evolution is about a constant change. Like, that's just the truth of it. Well, that's why, uh, well, just to be able to tap into even that thought process, Mm -hmm is is about spending the time moving yes um because when you're embodied or at least you're more embodied you get to your your senses heighten and those signals that come to you are heightened and more clear and so when you are confronted with a hard decision Mm -hmm. how you come to that decision whether you say i think I should do this, which is using your brain mm-hmm. or versus I feel, yeah, which is using your heart and your soul. Those signals are clear when you are in, uh, I, th- I would say a consistent, healthy body. Yeah, you're state. so right. Yeah, absolutely. So using language and mixing that into um, how you make decisions. Mm. So I, I like to, again, like hear people when they, when I ask them a question, they they kind of feel it in their gut. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like I feel a little bit weird about this. And then I know that they're coming at it with that decision, as opposed to thinking. You know, I think I can. Pre- that that comes in a different different way, a different approach, and you can almost deduce whether it's a heart decision versus an ego decision. Mm, yeah, absolutely, and and also like tapping into that knowing. You know, like I know I'm gonna find the answers, or I know this is true for me, or I know, I know where I'm at. Like there is a knowing, I think, always that's present for us, and I think you're so right. Amplifying it through movement and and sensory experience is so so important. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah like business. when I've some been in my some of my darkest times, like all I could do was like if I just created movement, then then it got better and got clearer, yeah. right? For sure. Well, that on a sci- very science nerdy level, <laughs> um, that is a term called mechanotransduction. And so Ooh. what that means is the mechanical energy that we create within our bodies yeah. transforms or transducts into uh, biochemical energy. Hmm. And so the mechanical stuff, when you're exercising, you know, doing squats or push-ups, Notice how that changes the body. If you're sitting down all day and you're work from homing and you, you haven't gotten up for a long time and you finally pull yourself together and say, hey, I'm going to just kind of do a quick stretch break yeah, and some push-ups, headstand, handstand, that kind of stuff. And then you just somehow feel better. Yeah, That's because you've taken advantage of the mechanotransduction principle. I love that. Because it helps unlock uh, neurochemicals in the brain like – a little bit of dopamine, a little bit of adrenaline, maybe some serotonin, norepinephrine, some of these things that allow your mind and body to connect and therefore produce a different kind of effect. So it's just important for us, I think, to 
to really tap into that bridge between movement mindset and then yes. of course music is another level i mean having a music break that's I, awesome too it's so awesome and yet it's something we forget to reach for you know how do we start reaching for the things that we just know are like actually so important for us and why is that so hard i think that that's like another conversation for another day as to like why is it so difficult to do the things that we know are so great for us you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's send this off with a thought um on meeting people where they are mm-hmm. so i was i came to this when i did a um it was a three-day adult retreat um it was the last it was actually i think it was last year yeah with camp reset and it was um kind of like a selected group of leaders in the city that we're just kind of called upon to come together and, and share their minds. Mm-hmm, very cool. And I just was asked and was talked to about that principle of meeting people where they are. And that means acknowledging everything that people may be going through mm. and empathizing and coming with compassion and saying, instead of me coming to you as a you know fitness coach and me telling you what to do based off of my agenda. Yeah. Like, for example, showing up to a class and being like, okay, everyone, we're going to be doing this, 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 and this, because that's my plan. Yeah. That's my program. Yeah. And I need to stick to that. Instead, meeting people where they are and saying, hey, you know what? Like, here's my plan. But you know what? Let's let's talk about where you are today. Did yeah. you have enough water? Yeah. Did you have enough sleep? Are you stressed out right now? Do you need to release or do you need to be calm, cool, and collected? What is it that you need to help us sort of create this really cool experience that meets you where you are um and also myself too Mm -hmm. so how do you how do you approach people when you're coaching them and you meet them where they are and acknowledge all the shit that they may be going through yeah i think one of the most profound things i learned is coming from a place of of like i really don't know anything right i really don't know anything until you let me know Right. Uh Like really coming from because there's this there's this terminology in coaching is like getting off getting off your map. Right. Because I have a mapping system. Right. Like if a client comes in and it's like I have issues when it comes to my father, like that totally makes sense to my personal map. And I might have this idea with her that I understand her. But the truth is, I have no idea at all until you let me know. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think and it's also one of the toughest things to do because we're unfortunately all the center of our own universe. And like we need to be able to to stop and and say, yeah, like, how can I make this more about you and less about me? But yeah, I think that that whole mentality of I know nothing, the more I know, the less I realize, like, I I know absolutely nothing. Um, So I think it's, I think it's being able to have the courage to say, I don't know. So I need you to tell me. Yeah, that's true. I'm not a mind reader. Yeah. And like holding space for that. And that's not easy for everybody, but definitely meeting them where they're at is based on um, I'm opening this for you. So, so meet me, meet me in the same space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to those that are listening that are couples and have like a, uh, a relationship or partnership, Mm. it's so important. I think every day to check in with that. Yeah. That's so true. It's not easy. Yeah. Even with friends from afar too. Yeah. COVID times has encouraged people to reach out. And reach out to people that they may not have spoken to for a long time. Yeah. And they feel compelled to either reach out just to say hi or apologize for something. Mm. And yeah. so I, I've fallen into the situation of ask, like re, reacquainting with old expectations of them and not realizing yeah. that they are different, that I'm different. And this situation is different. For sure. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's like a really important thing. But um, I guess I guess at the end of the day, with all the stuff that we were talking about, it's important to schedule in personal development time mm-hmm. and to make that a part of your, um, I guess, your growth, your personal growth. And often we're stuck in the rat race and a certain momentum that we feel we don't have control over. Yeah. So maybe part of doing the work is literally scheduling it in and making it part of your game 
so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. And it looks so different for everybody. You know, I think people hear those two words and they're like, oh man, I have to work hard on something again, like on myself. And really it can be, you know, it can be as simple as ordering food in and watching a, you know, a a creative film that you're interested in, or it can be as deep as, you know, doing morning pages, which is getting up every morning and literally like brain dumping and journaling. Like there's so many different ways that you can develop yourself personally. And I think ultimately it's just the pillar of, of becoming more aware of yourself, however that looks, whether it's needing to slow down or go deep or, you know, pause. It's just, there's so many ways that you can develop yourself personally. I think people hear those words and they think they have to like do some textbook workshop. Right. But there's just so many ways to, to stop and check in. Or they can just reach out to you. <laughs> or you. <laughs> yeah. Or us well, together. How can, yeah, how can these, yeah, exactly. How can these, how can the listeners here learn more about you, Nicole? Yeah. Well, I mean, my Instagram woman of the soul is, I guess, a great creative way to, to touch, to touch point and message me as well as, I mean, you can email me or I could put my phone number on the podcast, but I do keep it quite simple. I also, started building a brand called essence and impact so you can go to essence and impact.com and and send a contact email on there and all my testimonials and and work reviews are on there as well um so there's a couple platforms but yeah you can also email me at nicole devel at gmail.com great do you have any future projects or anything you'd like to share i'm in a really interesting recalibration phase i've become so passionate about understanding uh, how to move like trauma through the body. So getting really clear that, you know, as we grow from our, from our, our youth into our adolescence, into adulthood, we've had many things happen to us that end up staying in the physiological space. And, and then we end up playing out so many patterns depending on what's happened to us. And so, you know, I've done so much mental work. I'm now starting to really listen to the body. So understanding how to heal trauma through the body is like my next big thing that I'm interested in. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I definitely want to get involved in more, more speaking and creating deeper community because I don't know about you, but this isolation, I mean, obviously we're connecting with people, but there's just a lot of people that feel really isolated and how can we create more community? But mm-hmm. I'm in a really interesting, yeah, like recalibration phase, which feels good. I feel like I'm in the right direction. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> and I'd love to support in any way that I can as well. Yeah, well, it, it all makes sense. Like it all is kind of under the same realm, right? Like moving the body, understanding the body, listening to the body just mm. really helps us get clear on on the truth of the soul. Yes. Okay, well, thank you so much, Nicole. Thanks, Joel. I appreciate you. Thank you, you everyone, for listening all the way to the end. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to message us. Um, Signing off, may the force be with you. Yeah, may the force be with you. Love you, Julian. Love you guys.